Hey everyone, welcome to Indie Film Grit, a podcast about indie films and indie filmmakers. I am your host, Timothy Patrick, but you, you can call me Tim. In this episode, I have an amazing conversation with Klaus Bedelt. He's well known in the film industry as a musical composer. He scored countless Hollywood films, including Pirates of the Caribbean, Gladiator, and The Time Machine. But that's not all. Klaus has also created an exciting new way for filmmakers to distribute their films. It's called Film Hub. Let's get into it. And here we are with Klaus Bedelt. Klaus, how are you, man? Thanks for being on the podcast. Hi, how are you? Thanks for having me. Oh, it's, it's my pleasure. Um, so much to talk to you about. I mean, you're kind of a, a two for one on, on this podcast because uh, well, we're going to talk about Film Hub, which is an amazing resource for, for indie filmmakers out there. But uh, you're also a well-known film composer, uh, worked on dozens of Hollywood film scores, so that excites me so much, and I'm so happy to have you on. Um, but before we get into all that, can you give us a little background about how you got into the film industry, how it all started? I be, Believe it or not, my first thing I did was actually I got a, a, a Minolta Super 8 camera. That's when I was like 11, and I shot wow. whatever was moving. I shot like little films. So it was not first, music second, but I was just, I guess, better at it, you know, playing keyboards in the band and, and writing actually and did big band arrangement and stuff. But I um, I never left like the film like as a separate, it was always a big part of what, what I did. Mm. Um, you know, I was back in Germany and then came to Hollywood, Los Angeles. Um, and yeah, I started having career. I, I think I showed up at the right place uh, and it has to do a lot with, I think, with attitude. I can say this now. Because I was ready and willing to give up anything I've done before just to do what I can do here. And I, I say this because I had, in the last 20 years of my career here, lots of requests from, I know, uh, uh, internships or colleagues who are young composers who want, want to get started. And, and I noticed that I think what made it work was part of what part, one part which made it work was to say, okay, hey, what can I do? Can I make coffee for you? Whatever it is you need at this point. I just want to be nice and learn. And that's literally what I did. I came here not even knowing. I was here on vacation, literally, for a couple of weeks and thought, hey, let's poke my, you know, poke in to see what, where, where can, you know, if they, if they, if I can have an internship one day or something crazy. I didn't know you can just like knock the door and, and knock on the door and say, hey, um, can I stay here for, you know, can I have an internship? I just did that. Anyway, so mm -hmm. that's how it started. And then I got stuck here and started <laughs> doing films and, and got into it. Cool. So, yeah, so you're originally from Germany and, and then you made the shift to Hollywood and a very successful career at uh, uh, making music for films. Uh, you know, some of them, uh, everybody knows, mo most of them, you know, like uh, Pirates of the Caribbean or Gladiator. Um, I think you got a lot of acclaim for uh, the Time Machine. Yeah, Time Machine was one of my very first ones. Um, and I did a lot of, of course, I did over 100 movies, I think. And 
they are mostly, it's not necessarily the ones you know, which I'm mostly proud of. Mm-hmm. Um, they are like, and I did not only like major motion pictures here in Hollywood. I did a lot of international films too, or indie films here. I did um, events like, you know, I did the Beijing Olympics, which was such a, an adventure. Wow. Um, the closing ceremonies there. And I did a lot of Chinese projects actually, actually uh, before and since. Uh, indie movies and uh, ballets, uh, I, I, a lot of, um, I just, I'm, I'm bored by doing the same thing twice. So mm-hmm. I guess that's why I keep doing something new. Yeah. And you, uh, have worked with many, uh, composers hero, uh, Hans Zimmer. And I, I imagine at this point you have become a hero to many young filmmakers and composers. <laughs> oh, wow. That makes me look really old, but no, you, you, it's, I like to give what I receive and more. I, I think I've been all my life a pretty non or, or maybe even anti-corporate guy. I was only employed once in my life for a few months. Hmm. It was a big German TV station at the time. And um, ever since I've been only doing what I like to do, never thinking about a career. Seriously, I didn't think what was any at any time what was a good career move. I mean, look, after I did Pirates, I didn't like think about like, oh, how can I now secure my position in Hollywood? I did a movie in China right after mm-hmm. and spent a few months outside Los Angeles. You know, people here when you came, when I came back, asked, oh, so I heard you moved to Beijing. I'm like, no, 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 I just did a movie. <laughs> but it's, you know, it, it's not what my agent recommended at the time, I tell you that. But I just loved the idea of, wow, at that time I had the opportunity to work with a director who did Farewell My Concubine. I'm like, Am I going to turn that down? Of course not. That's what I want to do. Right. So I always did that. And I never thought about what is the strategically best next step, I have to admit. Interesting. Yeah. And it, and it sounds like you're not scared to travel. I mean, you're, you're an international type of guy. Go to China <laughs> for a job and don't even think twice. Exactly. I did lots of French movies. Um, yeah, I, I don't know. I Again, I think I always go where the creatives are which is what drove me, I think I can admit that, I think that that drove me out of Germany at the time, that uh, all he could achieve was at best <laughs> kind of mediocre work. Now I'm really laying into the Germans here. But, uh, <laughs> you know, it, there wasn't much inspiration. I always w- like to surround myself with people who are better than me, who have more to say of uh, who, you know, the, the no-sayers, who are not happy enough with what you just did, but want to do more. Mm-hmm. And, and that's where I always go. I always like to go there and, uh, uh, and find the challenge. And that's, I never, th- I don't think about it as, as work or anything, you know, or, or as career moves. I just do that. Yeah. It's, it's interesting because I know a lot of, uh, uh, musicians that think, uh, cinematically about music and a lot of filmmakers that think musically about film. I always see music for film as part of, as being the filmmaker. I always moved my writing room, if you want, uh, to where the filmmakers are, where the director is, where the editor is. Mm. I believe that the writer, director, editor, composer are the, the, the four creatives which do a film. Right. Which create from scratch. I mean, how, sorry for the actors, of course, it's, it's a lot of creative work, but to create from scratch, these are the guys. And 
you you I see I, uh, the best experience I always have with directors who when we don't talk about music um, back to by the way China Cheng Kaige might be who's the director who did uh, Fair My Concubine but also with me I did now two or three movies with him and we never talk about music <laughs> I know it sounds crazy but it's it's all about the symbolism of the scene the emotional content the arc of the character of the story um, the opportunity, it's never about like, should this be played by a violin or something? Well, sometimes you talk about it, but it, that's not the key. I remember when I went there first time, we had weeks of meetings and never talked about music once. We talked about his life and what he means to say. And these are the directors uh, which bring the best out of you as a, as a creative. And uh, whether it's a musician or, I mean, composer or... Uh, that's why often, I'm sorry, I keep babbling on here, but that's why often when... I collaborate a lot with recording artists. Um, often it's very hard for them to do a movie. And I, I'm often brought in even when they started because it's not about music. They, they're musicians. They're like, what? You don't like my music? What do you mean faster? You know, mm -hmm. it's, it's really, it's not about that. It's about, okay, what's the emotional content? And that's, um, to me, film music is in that way different to songwriting. All right. That's very interesting. And when, when you're communicating in uh, feelings or emotions rather than notes on a page, um, it's your job as a composer to figure out how to, you know, create something that will make the audience feel that emotion. I always say you have, let's, let's think of the first act of a film or the beginning, just the opening of a film, if you want. As a composer, it's your responsibility to introduce the character, to make them lovable, so you go on a ride for the rest of the film with them. Mm. And it, you only have a, I don't know, a couple of minutes, right? You have, yeah. it, it's, it's no luxury there. It's very, very thin and slim. You have to be very efficient about it. So what makes it that the audience starts to love the character. I think if you love a character, that makes the movie work or not. Mm -hmm. Now, I, I definitely want to move on to uh, Film Hub, but uh, I'm just going to milk you for a little bit more uh, about the composer stuff. Um, <laughs> I'm both. I, I love both. Oh, uh, great. Uh, so that's the idea. <laughs> so everybody knows certain things make audiences feel certain ways. Like in in horror movies, the tension is kicked up by the, you know, the the spooky uh, ambiance, and uh, or or maybe um, the drums kick in and get your heart rate going. Um, in your toolbox, are you able to swap one out for the other? And and sometimes does are, do you surprise yourself by trying something new that evokes that emotion? that you haven't done before? Or is there pretty much a standard language? Hollywood strings for this, horns for that? Yeah, um, you're talking to me now and it's a very subjective. I know of others who do that and feel very comfortable and are great at it, you know, basically doing the same thing over and over again. I mean, there are actors who basically play themselves every time mm -hmm. and you love them for that, so that's fine. I myself am feel very different about it. I, well, it's not that you have to bring in a grand new idea in every movie. You try. 
but it doesn't have to be like this. Sometimes not having introducing a grand new idea is the grand new idea. You have to just be. That's what I hear. A lot of young composers, they just want to prove themselves in a movie. And I, I keep saying, you know, what you want is a lot of character, but very little ego. That's a hard you know, distinction and a very thin and you know, a fine line there. But I, I, I look at, no, it's every instrumentation, every film has a very different, unique sound and approach in my head. Mm -hmm. uh, how does the how does what you l look at how does that sound and uh, it can't be the strings every time i've done oh my gosh millions of different things mm -hmm. and i also love um that's why i like going into other uh, countries too with film that you can expand your vocabulary and use um instruments which are native there without uh trying to sound like a chinese composer or like a middle eastern composer or something silly mm -hmm. but just to use that vocabulary so you can extend your your language. What's to me ultimately important is the tune, is the theme. If you can play it on a really crappy piano, um, that's, if that works, that's it. I had actually experience with directors where after I played, I played the theme on the, on some piano and they liked it. I then started using it and you know, uh, flashing it out. And it, and some of it got lost. So we went back to the piano and I suddenly, oh my God, that works. Not that the piano as an instrument work, but suddenly, oh, this is the tune. And everyone has them. Um, it inspires the creatives to in, for interpretation of how this could feel and, and be. Mm -hmm. So the tune is like uh, central for everything. And good tunes are rare. <laughs> it's very yeah. difficult. Yeah, I love the idea of... Uh... Obviously, a lot of composers do it, but the idea of uh, having a theme for each character, uh, you see this in the spaghetti westerns a lot, uh, like the right. Harmonica Man in uh, Once Upon a Time in the West. Um, yeah. is, is that a, a good starting off point for uh, maybe new composers to, to build up a, a score, is to look at it, break it down that way? I always do that. I can say I always look at the film and analyze the thematic content basically simple as if you if you want a 101 yeah just sit down and which theme is which in which cue is which which theme uh, and cool. if you listen to my scores it's really i mean it's very simple really it's just not easy but it's very simple to to um i re, I, I use themes even in non-thematic moments i reuse them it's uh, I don't want to compare myself to Wagner or, or Mahler or something, but this is that stuff where it, it's weaving its way, way through the score and you always remind it of, I don't know, subconsciously, this is the movie. To me, that makes also the difference to like a TV show where I never did that much, So, but you don't have much opportunity to, to that makes a difference. It, it suddenly it's underscore or it's a film score. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's interesting. I never thought about TV that way, but yeah, you don't really you don't get that from television much. Not much. I mean, yeah, there's exceptions, and they're great. But yeah, you're right. It's it's you don't have the opportunity to, because you don't have that storytelling, the arc, mm -hmm. um, the luxury you don't often have in, in in film. It's that's what you have to do. Now, such a busy guy making music for films for years and years, and then you decided to create something new, something uh, online, something for filmmakers, and it's called uh, Film Hub. Now, how did, how did the uh, 
the idea for Film Hub come to you? Um, I mean, look, one reason is I've always been at the intersection of technology and, and music. I've, I've been always a nerd when it comes to technology. I always play with the toys and and use the latest possible you know, technology to actually write music, to create. Mm-hmm. And then also I my heart really beats for indie film. I've done a lot of these big movies and and I feel that while I you know, this trust me I enjoy that too but you have a higher chance of integrity on indie film. Limitations are good for you when it comes to budgets. Limitations make you create better. Now throughout my my world I saw though quite a few and I suddenly realized wait a minute there's so many of them of movies which never see the light of day in terms of getting to an audience, getting distribution. Mm-hmm. I looked up, for example, I saw like Sundance had like 14,000 applications, like you know, submissions, right. and what, nine, 97 were taken and seven got distribution. So now I saw some of these other ones and I, I refuse to believe that there are 13,000, whatever, 900 <laughs> crappy movies out there. There's a lot of good stuff. And at the same time, now we have video streaming, right? Everything is on Amazon, Hulu, Netflix, and and worldwide everywhere. It's no longer that you have shelf space, which is limited, and have to ship DVDs and that stuff. So you don't... And the the audience, the, the people today, can find and discover very differently too. Major shift, right? Paradigm shift. Only still we have the same movie industry, the same distribution industry. Mm-hmm. And I realized, you know, myself with these movies, I was the, the, the key moment was when I saw, I was interviewed for um, a documentary about one of the bands I used in my scores. I watched it after and the guy said, and it looked, looked, it looked amazing. It was a fantastic documentary. And I thought, well, so what's happening with it? And he said, well... I don't know. He did it for a French TV station and he has no idea if we can even do something with it. He has no access to this whole game. Mm-hmm. And I realized, my God, so there's millions of these titles out there, thousands of these titles out there. So I realized that we have all these gatekeepers in our industry and, you know, pair this with my, I said earlier, anti, you know, corporate, kind of mm-hmm. <laughs> idea. I'm like, oh, that's, that's just wrong. We need to democratize this market. It's all online. Now let's put this whole process online. And I put a team together and uh, I, I, I even coded my, I mean, I code a lot myself. Writing code and writing music to me is very creative and very similar. Mm. So we put this out, tested it and, and look, um, it got like really good traction. So w- what you do is you, you, you have a movie or a show or whatever you create, you know, professionally, I say, no, no cat videos. This is not YouTube. This is like for <laughs> professional filmmakers. Right, right. right. So, and, and you upload it. It costs you nothing. It's all technology, right? The big cloud stuff we wrote in the back end and stuff. And it's a marketplace. So um, that's on one side, you upload all your movies and we have thousands of filmmakers doing this now. And then on the other side, you have all these um, streaming services, uh, channels like you know Amazon and Hulu and the likes Netflix and mm-hmm. and then lots of international ones too, and there are thousands of them now. I mean they're getting more and more out there, and they look what 
fits what you know and they make their selection it was like a marketplace some of them take a lot some of them take only like very specific stuff very narrow verticals but that's the beauty of the digital world so now every they can find everything can now find an audience and it costs nobody anything mm-hmm. and uh, yeah you know it's a business of course so we finance it by only when it works when the streaming services pay something then we take a cut and we make that much smaller than the old industry did before and right. you know it's all very transparent you can see what's going on and so we we um it's my, my mainly built for it was built originally for indie filmmakers now we have a lot of actually players of the old industry in there too who give us whole catalogs of titles and we make them available wow. and we make them available for free that's the idea and that's great because i mean as an indie filmmaker myself I have a documentary short that I've been trying to get up on Amazon Prime. And, you know, I spent an entire day or two transcoding and uh, got everything oh, in order and tried to upload it. And my my internet wasn't fast enough. So I actually had to go to a friend's house and get it uploaded, right? And I thought, finally, after trying so hard, uh, a month goes by later and they send me a message and they said... Uh, something was wrong with the video file, but no real answers. So what, and it's a pain in the the butt for, for people like me who are just trying to get their, their work seen, you know? Yeah, no, that's exactly like you creators should create. Mm -hmm. Um, yeah, you have to be a bit more of an entrepreneur these days. I think, and I like that because you have creative control. So you should have control over your promotion as well. doesn't mean you have to do it, but having control is good. Uh, You know, what's good for your film. You know what the audience is. You made it for. Mm-hmm. But uh, so what we do is very different. It's it's not a service. It's not like someone you hire and you know we want new clients and every time we do something we charge. Um, what what we do is um, it's an we open the market, which was previously just tied up. You had only access if you knew someone, and then you would pay dearly. And in like you said, you have to jump through hoops to actually make it work. Who are our industry people to say and to know what's what the audience wants. Mm-hmm. Th- this is crazy, and it's especially crazy since now video streaming does away with all these expenses. It's not expensive anymore, right? To mm. do this, why why shouldn't it be available? Right. It's all you know, and you're doing a, a short, fantastic. It should let's put it out there and see, and and uh, and you should shouldn't put it out on YouTube. You know, along with the cat videos, this is now it should go onto the platform so people watch it in their homes and on mobile and whatnot. But into the mainstream, the, this is the this is the new mainstream. People are really tired. The audience is really tired, by the way, of watching, I don't know, Game of Thrones all over and over and over again. Mm-hmm. Mainstream, they get shoved on their throat. Some of, of course, you know, they watch it, but they want more. There's lots of research actually to confirm what I'm saying. I'm just not making this up. Oh that, yeah. That they, they want more content and 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 uh, want different things. They want stuff that, which interests only them. And today you have the chance of, no matter how slim your vertical is, how how you can be successful and make a living, at least, with what you do, because somewhere on the planet there is someone who's interested. Right. Yeah, that's the way I feel about my film. And if, if it wasn't such a pain to get it up there, and you don't you don't charge anything until somebody buys the film or rents the film. Is that how it works? Yeah, 
Yeah, we never charge really, actually. Exactly. We There's no charges. You just put it up. The mark is all free. Um, and it gets delivered for free and all, conversion and all this stuff we do all for free. Um, only exactly. Only when someone is watching it, um, we collect the money for you too because it's a lot of work. Uh, trust me, there's a lot of like, you know, accounting stuff going on. We do this. We did this all like super simple and you can see like on a dashboard what's going on. Oh, great. Yeah. And then we pay and we pay out and we keep a, we keep a cut. And so it's, it's the money you never had before, you know, without us, you wouldn't make any. So mm -hmm. that's, that's why I say like, look, I mean, um, it should be a business that can run it, but everybody needs to be, uh, I want to make sure everybody knows that this is, um, not like the old industry, which I think is quite creator hostile. Creators are the last one to get actually paid. Mm -hmm. I know many of my producer friends who, no matter even named ones, trust me, who is for certain films basically never got paid at the end of the day. Jeez. They could only get whatever they got at the beginning. That's it. Right. The way we can do this is with technology. Now there is technology. Um, we could we could write software for this. We can use the cloud so that we can make this really cheap. And that's why we can offer this for free. Before that, like a service, they, they have people still doing all this stuff. Mm -hmm. um, that doesn't mean we, we, we don't have you know, passionate filmmakers in our team who like fight and, and feel, feel strong about what we do. But you have to make use technology to automate all this stuff, which costs usually a lot of money. And therefore, you would have to pay for it. Well, I think it's great. I, I think this is marvelous. And, and you know, everybody out there, should uh, look into Film Hub. I mean, you know, you talk about the gatekeepers. It sounds like you're just kicking down the gate. That's exactly what I'm saying. Exactly. Democratizing it and level the playing field. This is the key is to make everything available, make it really cheap by technology. And technology can help the creator then focus on creation again and get your stuff out. Mm -hmm. And, it, you know, you get paid from the first stream on. Mm -hmm. And you see what's going on. You don't have to do all this accounting stuff. We we do all this, you know, with software. Because I'm I'm generally a very lazy guy. You know, I don't want to work. I want <laughs> to just pay to do things. So all the stuff which you can automate, I I know we automate. Well, I'm glad somebody's doing it. Um, <laughs> and you know, I went to the website and uh, it, it said something about uh, uh, beta testing. Is it is that the stage it's at right now? Is it in beta? Yeah, we're just about to get out of beta. We we call this beta so people adjust their expectations, you know, because mm. it's it's a huge um, it's a huge um, piece of software we have to write there. I but we we have now f what over fourteen thousand movies on the platform and in TV shows, and we have over now sixty streaming services. So we actually we are we are out of beta now, and we we taken that that label off very soon. <laughs> Wow. Yeah, that's a, that's pretty impressive. And you know, what excites me is the, uh, how you mentioned there are a lot of other, um, distribution platforms, uh, internationally that people don't think of over here. Like, I mean, sure. We all know iTunes, Amazon, Hulu, but we have no idea. There might be some kid in China that wants to watch your film. Exactly. And there's a lot of this, I mean, God, there's so much going on in the international market too, which we were, also, our Hollywood way of thinking is very, you know, domestic versus foreign. It's the internet. That's no longer the case. Everything right. is international. And there's so much going on in China, in India, in Europe. Uh, there's over a thousand streaming services in Europe alone. Mm 
Wow. We actually here have you know over way over a thousand as well in in the states. It's yeah, we think of when you hear of streaming of Netflix and and uh, maybe Amazon, but um, there's so much more going on out there, and that's the beauty of it too. They they take care of certain segments. You know, some of them are just doing indie films, some of them are just doing shorts, right. some of them are just doing like travel documentaries. You know, some of them are just doing sports. Um, there's so much going on. We also, by the way, we're looking a lot at these creators who are, uh, it's not just the 35 mil, I don't know, high-end production we're looking for. It's, we take, we, we don't reject, right? So we take on everything, everything which is created, we take, we, we do a very good, like, um, you know, technical quality check. So it's professionally level, mm-hmm. uh, but so it can go out actually, but it's, um, we don't say this is not good or so. Right. So there's. A lot of these creators who are today on YouTube, they create like shows. I actually like, I mean, this is this is very creative and popular stuff out there. And it's right now just, you know, locked into YouTube and they, they're not making a living. So they, I think they should all come up and you know, there's no reason for them not to be on Amazon, Hulu and China Mobile or something, which is one of our, our streaming services. Oh, wow. Wow. Yeah, and it seems like uh, just because you're able to get people's films to all these different places that uh, there's no exclusivity clause or anything where it can only go to this one or it can only go to this one. Or, or is that part of your software works that out? Exactly right. You can know it's this, it's absolutely not exclusive. Um, only very few of these streaming services want it exclusive. And we for sure don't want anything exclusive. We don't require it. Let's just say that. Mm-hmm. So you you have even if you have for example a movie you have sold in a couple of territories right you, you know, the classic cases you have it you had it in a film festival yes you did get some distribution but then what hmm. you know you have it now sitting there for two years of you know three years ago you it was great and now nobody's taking care of it no you can just upload it to us you you just check off what countries you already have sold if you want and. You, you can't give us or you, know, you can't have the audience watch it because someone else is already taking care of it. You just check, check this off and then it goes into all the other countries. That's fantastic. And, and how many countries do you know offhand? We have now 20, what, one countries like, and then not even counting like, uh, you know, iTunes and, mm-hmm. and uh, Amazon, which goes into every country. Um, like these are like dedicated countries where you have a streaming service literally in Spain, like a local one or more, uh, Germany, uh, you know, India, we're getting into India now, uh, China. So this is just the beginning. And we still, we still like, a, it's a startup. It's a tech startup. Last year we got, uh, funding from VCs in the Silicon Valley. We were at some very cool, um, exclusive, uh, accelerator program called NFX in, in Palo Alto. So we we are really running this from the tech startup side, um, and having the the knowledge of how the industry works. Very cool, and uh, it's a perfect name too, Film Hub. <laughs> yeah, it took us a long time to f- come up with that simple name. <laughs> it's always Creatives. hard coming up with the name, isn't it? Yes, yes. <laughs> Creatives. I I have the worst you can see on my albums. My, the worst names for my cues. It's like the most creative probably have the hardest time of coming up with names. <laughs> <laughs> wow. This is all fantastic. What is the best part? I mean, we're talking a lot about what makes Film Hub great, but what is there one thing that stands out that is the best? 
Well, I mean, there's a few things which are all new, right? Like that you that you don't have to pay anything. Hmm. Uh, never. So that you can just risk-free just try it and see if it's um, if it gives your film anything. But, you know, in general, what I think is the difference is that um, it's the opportunity to be part of changing a whole industry. It's a very different idea how how this industry could be run. Um, and, you know, because we we think of, I have more respect for film, I think, than what the industry has traditionally. I have more respect for the creators, and I, I it's an it's a creator first approach. Mm-hmm. So that's why I always every time I think of the business model or the software, or whatever, I want the I think of with the creator in mind. So what would you want to know? What, for example, you want to know what happens to your movie after you upload. So we create this activity stream so you can actually see. Okay, somebody looked at it. Um, it got now picked up by that streaming service. Oh, it got you know, so you know what's going on. Mm-hmm. Even though it's a machine, right? It's like a I don't know a, a PayPal website or something. It is still um, people behind who who care and and that that something happens to your baby. I think that's the biggest difference to all, all this old industry and even like you know services who offer you to hey pay thousand dollars and get your film up to iTunes. That's not the same thing. It's not that we want to make money with you. We are we are only happy. And that's the built in the is baked in the business model. We're only happy when things happen for you. So we take the same risk as you do. Mm-hmm. That's the, the that's the big difference, I think. Yeah, you're in it uh, till the end. Unlike these yeah. these other guys who just want to make the money, right? And they turn around and do the next one, but mm-hmm. they don't. Um, you know, we have no hidden fees. You know, we have no hidden charges. No hidden. Like oh, by the way, you need to pay two percent per year or something, or you know something. Like that. None of that stuff, I, because I know how how frustrating that is, and it's not necessary. It's all, and it's only possible with technology. So I, what I personally love about that is that finally we can make technology work for the creators. Mm-hmm. Yeah, this is fascinating. It's almost a revolution you're starting here. I, I f- actually feel, you know, no less than that. It's like we, this is a once-in-a-generation opportunity to to redefine an industry, and it's no less than that. It's not just another nice product, I think, or something. I wouldn't want to do it. I'm too lazy to. <laughs> why Why would I, you know, <laughs> put my writing career on hold or so for this? I, I feel like, ah, oh, now this is, why would I just deal with one movie at a time at this point when I can actually pave the way for so many more? And and start something potentially really uh, groundbreaking. Yeah, that that drives me. That that that's what drives me every day. That's what uh, keeps me up at night. Is how can I actually change things which are not right? <laughs> I like it. Now, for the indie filmmaker out there listening, uh, can they go to Film Hub today and uh, sign up? Yep, just go filmhub.com, click on sign up, and. Um, uh, upload your movie, uh, enter some, you know, the title and stuff, and and hopefully you get picked up really quick. This, I mean, it's basically guaranteed that you will get up because some of them, streaming services, you know, uh, we feed with almost everything. Uh, but then there's others who are very picky, and you and we and we promote your title with um, with actually the webs with the site as well. It's all um, based on data 
and a recommendation. So it's a it's a it's a very complex machine learning st- stuff happening in the background to match your film with the right streaming services. Mm. And so uh, yeah, you just go there, sign up, and and get going. Cost cost nothing, and you don't give up your rights. So you can take it offline three three months later if you if you don't see a benefit, which I think is not going to happen. <laughs> right, that's great. I mean, this is uh. Yeah, this is a game changer for indie filmmakers out there. You you simplified it, you made it easier, but it sounds like you made it better. And it'll be curious to see how these other companies, kind of middlemen, uh, have to alter in the future if if what you're doing is indeed the future. I think they can only change if they would have the same kind of technology. That's the big, biggest a breaker, but what's really the the massive change is that we have um, network effects. Now, that's a very Silicon Valley type of thinking. Network effects are think of us like as the Airbnb of film. So they call this like two sided network effects. So with every new movie you upload or someone uploads the value of all the other movies goes up. And now why is that? There's, there's, there's a mechanism built into the system which makes only marketplaces like this create more value for you. A service cannot never do this or you know the traditional distribution industry, mm. you know, agents and stuff. They tell you, oh, I work for you, I create an audience for you. We all heard that. Mm-hmm. Um, but what this one really does is if you have 100,000 titles up, uh, which we hope to have by the end of the year, the value of all the titles which have been on the on the platform already is being put up massively because, you know, there's several reasons for it. Like suddenly we're more attractive to more, more streaming services. There's more demand for it suddenly. Uh, and there, because there's no more demand, suddenly you get discovered more. You might be already on the platform for a year, but suddenly, oh, well, there's another wave of orders for your title going to different streaming services, et cetera, et cetera. So these network effects are what makes our platform very special. It's, it, I didn't come up with it. This is um, an established uh, process and, and, and phenomena, which makes a lot of the internet work hmm. and create value. So this also makes that very special and can only be done with, with, uh, with um, technology. Yeah, it sounds like you're harnessing a, a lot of different technology and applying it to this. And I, I've never been so excited. I mean, this is—I <laughs> think this may be the answer. If if I get through, uh, I, I'm going to check it out today. I'm going to sign up today and finally try and get my uh, my short documentary out there. Fantastic. Let me know. I um, give you give you. Uh, I, I waive all of my fees. If you try. <laughs> no, no. <laughs> Definitely not, but uh, <laughs> but this is truly truly fantastic uh, for for filmmakers out there. Um, I, I am looking forward to it. Now, let me ask you, uh, where where is the uh, the censorship line drawn? I mean, uh, obviously, well, not obviously, but I'm assuming uh, you don't accept uh, like hardcore pornography. Exactly. Yeah, that's a very good question. I mean, we'd had lots of discussions, trust me, um, with various people, um, including internally. So mm-hmm. they would draw a line, you know, do a violence, 
<laughs> do you, you know, it gets tricky. It gets yeah. really tricky. I admit, um, if you don't, um, now we have, we have terms on conditions and we defined exactly what, uh, violates those as much as you can define it in words. Um, yeah, we don't take, you know, pornography, we don't take, you know, but what, what is a home video these days? So there's a certain, um, it's a bit like, you know, on Twitter where you can post certain things, but there's a, there's a fine line. Mm-hmm. And mostly we didn't have the problem yet. Right. And I guess with, when it comes to pornography, they have so many outlets already to upload, uh, yeah, their, yeah. their escapades. <laughs> Yeah, there's a different industry, and uh, I'm sure it's a lucrative en- uh, industry, but that's, uh, I don't have fun helping them out. <laughs> but you know, some of the movies in the 70s and whatnot, there was uh, uh, plenty of uh, frontal nudity and, uh, you know, art house mm-hmm. film, it could be called. Um, so I can imagine it does get tricky. Um, it, does, it does get tricky. Uh, we have, every country, by the way, has different rules, right, when it comes to nudity and stuff. Mm. So I, we did a lot of research what every country has their different, because we are very global, um, the rating system, et cetera. So we have, by the way, pulled in, put in the system where you actually just uh, honestly report what you think is part of, you know, these issues, if you want, or like um, you know, parental guidance. You, you don't want everyone to see it. You want to, and, and it gets like, um, of course, checked, but also the streaming services bias they report and flex something up if something odd. And mm-hmm. you, you have you have no chance of of putting some something up on the platform which doesn't really work in the widest sense. And doesn't right. so we never have that issue really at the end of the day. But it's it's a valid point. It's it's almost like, yeah, if you allow no nude you know, if you allow violence, do you allow nudity? Uh, who are you to now? Now we're getting into the details of that. So mm-hmm. it, it can be tricky. I tell you, yeah, it, I I agree. Um, so right now it's somehow self-contained and it doesn't really uh, so far had have it wasn't an issue so far. Hmm. That's cool. Now the uh, the fact that you guys uh, transcode um, is, is marvelous. Um, I know because it did take me twenty four straight hours to do it on <laughs> you know using YouTube <laughs> in some backdoor fashion. But um, even that uh, companies charge for that, but you you put it in the mix because it's a it's a necessary step to get it out there. Um, did you did you think about that? And uh, obviously you've thought about it, but uh, was that always in the mix? Yeah, that was a big part of the initial promise. Um, I had a checklist of all the things we need to do so we can take this whole process online. We wrote our own software for that and it does it all, you know, in with like um, what they call uh, broadcast masters, heavy files. So we, we, we done all that wow. and it's all automated in the cloud and it works better than, I have to say, it works better than humans doing it because it's always the same good quality and we have what they call file-based QC running so you, you know, it automatically checks if any technical problem happened on the way. It's all built in the system to make it, otherwise it wouldn't be doable, it wouldn't be cheap, right? It wouldn't mm-hmm. be, um, uh, it's now, a com- we want to make this, the simple stuff a commodity. So the important stuff like getting out into the streaming services of the world and you going back and creating more is, is what, you, what you can do now without thinking about it. I, I think uh, this is a fantastic interview, one of my favorites so far. 
Um, and I, I think what you're doing for filmmakers is is equally fantastic. Um, is it is there you you know being a composer and all and a, and a filmmaker? Is there any advice uh, you could give to young filmmakers out there? I can only look. I can only talk very subjectively. Um, I've never been to uh, music school, right? I when I came here, I pretended I can orchestrate, and somehow I managed to get away with it. Wow! And, but I never learned all this. So what I mean with that is, I think. Um, we can now make technology work for us. You can now do visual effects on your laptop. You can do, you can shoot on your on relatively cheap cameras in a way it wasn't possible five years ago only. You can now have, you can now realize your ideas. But that makes you even, and that's my advice: focus on, yeah, get production quality and get, get all this in all your ducks in a row. But it's still the idea. It's like the theme of the mu movie music of the film score, the idea, the story. Now we can actually have control over this again. We don't have anyone to tell us that's not what people want to hear. Mm -hmm. Polish this, write this, um, and and get this done. But but just just get it out. I think because now um, never been a better time for filmmakers to to create. I think. Well said. Yeah, definitely. Um, well, before we wrap up and say goodbye, I want to make sure uh, that uh, people know how to reach you out there if you want to be reached. Uh, are you on Twitter or uh, Facebook with Film Hub? Yeah, Film Hub is uh, uh, Twitter on Film Hub HQ, and um, we are on Facebook under uh, also under Film Hub. And if you go to our website, filmhub.com, you can see all the ways you can reach us. But we monitor Twitter closely too, and you want to reach out there that's probably the best way awesome is there is there anything else you want to touch on um let's see um no thank you i mean i've really enjoyed this um conversation and i love you know look like what you do and what this this organic um infrastructure out there for filmmakers now what's coming out there's so much information and um, um i really love to continuously being part of this kind of fabrics of indie filmmaking and and let's let's keep going i love this well i love it too Klaus. and thank you thank you for being on the podcast this was a very informative episode and uh, i want to urge everybody out there all the indie filmmakers listening to go to filmhub.com and and get the ball rolling um, get, get your movie out there to the world all thanks to this man thank you Klaus. Thank you so much for having me. Well, that's that. I hope you enjoyed this episode of the Indie Film Grit podcast. Feel free to go to our website and check out the show notes, IndieFilmGrit.com. There you will also find a special link to sign up on Film Hub. Klaus was nice enough to put together a package offering you, the Indie Film Grit listener, special perks. Don't forget, follow us on Twitter, and subscribe to us on iTunes. Well, I should really wrap this up, but before I go, let me ask you something. Do you have the courage, the passion, and the perseverance to make indie films? Do you have enough indie film grit?